I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Is live Mike with Lee Lonsberry from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Happy Monday. I had a great weekend. I hope you did as well. We got some cool news out of Johnson & Johnson, huh? We'll get into that in just a second. But uh, ever since an earlier news report from Rhea Shaleos, I've had this thing uh, nagging at me, and it's that story out of California where there is a surgeon involved in a Zoom call that's like a traffic court appearance. And as you watch it and hear it described, you learn that uh, that surgeon appears to be in an operating theater. And if there's a moment there where he raises his hand to swear he'll tell the whole truth and some portion of the truth or something like that, and if you freeze frame it, you can see, oh, that's a... There's some blood on that hand. Anyway, as the story goes, the surgeon is in the middle of a surgery. He's a plastic surgeon in California, a lot of them there. He's performing surgery, and part of, I don't know, the law there in that portion of California that these traffic court proceedings must be done in public or able to be viewed by the public. I've, I've been over the story about a dozen times. I've wasted so much time today on this surgeon story. And here's my thought. The the state medical board has announced that it will be launching an investigation. I bet you. I bet you this. I bet you that when all is said and done, we learn that there was a little bit of tomfoolery going on. That this plastic surgeon kind of staged the whole thing. Either for fun or to buy himself some more time or who knows what. Maybe he was put up to it. Maybe he lost a bet. But... I bet you, I bet you we learned that there's a little more to this story uh, than has been presented thus far. I don't think it's as straightforward as <laughs> the, the surgeon uh, checked his calendar midway through a surgery and thought, oh, shoot, that judge is calling in. Uh, let me handle that traffic ticket I got. I, I, something's up. There's something extra there. Anyway, uh, I don't mean to waste your time with that story, but that's the one going making the rounds this morning and my assessment is that there's a little bit more to it than is going on i i and maybe it's maybe i'm overly optimistic because it's my hope that you know no surgeon no doctor uh no taker of the hippocratic oath would ever <laughs> split their attention so flagrantly and uh so audaciously as to participate in legal proceedings while at the same time <laughs> undertaking some measure, some type of surgery. Anyway, uh, I told you we're going to talk about Johnson & Johnson. L- before we get into it, though, 
I want to tell you a little bit about the procedure, how I go about preparing for each day's program. Much of the morning and the early afternoon is spent touching base with sources and uh, reading publications and you know speaking to smart folks, smarter than me, and, uh, and working through my opinions and trying to figure out how best to tell these stories and to share these stories with you each day. So the, the big news today, haven't had a chance since uh, the news broke on Saturday to chat with you about it, and so you and I here chatting for the first time about Johnson & Johnson. In the few minutes before I go on the air, uh, what I do is, whatever the first story is going to be, I'll just do the, the quickest and most basic Google search just to be sure that the preparations that I've made throughout the morning remain true. There hasn't been some dramatic change in the story. In this case, uh, you know, I want to be sure that you know, the, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine wasn't discovered to be, I don't know, made of like Tabasco sauce and who knows what else, right? You know, it's an actual, <laughs> it's an actual uh, vaccine. It's all good. The story is as I prepared to tell it. And there have been no uh, breaking news developments uh, so that I'm sounding silly when I'm telling about old news. So the way I do that, like I said, uh, the most simple and basic Google search. And as I'm sitting here, uh, as Maria is wrapping up her newscast, I, I typed in uh, into Google Johnson & Johnson vaccine, uh, switched over to news search. And so what I have here in front of me is just a long list of, of headlines. And you know, typically that is sufficient to tell me whether or not uh, I, I am up to speed or up to date on the story. Well, I noticed something as I was reading the the headlines in the few moments before I took to air just now, and what I read was not necessarily a development in the story, but in the way the story is being shared. All right, I'm I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I am uh, I'm an optimist. I am very grateful. I think it's been a miracle that the vaccine for this COVID nineteen pandemic has come so quickly and swiftly. I think it's an absolute miracle that the efforts undertaken by both the last administration and this administration now have brought about the vaccination of hundreds of thousands of Americans. I honestly think it's a miracle, and I want to celebrate that miracle. And yet, I can't help but think that there is some kind of effort to bring us down as I read these headlines. I'm going to read through just a few of the headlines here that have come uh, not, not two full days after the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been publicly announced as approved for uh, you know, its safety and efficacy in use in humans. All right. Uh, first one reads, All our recent progress with COVID-19 could be wiped out by variants, CDC director says. There's one. Next, Johnson & Johnson vaccine deepens concerns over racial and geographic inequities. Okay. Uh, another one says, White House to distribute J&J vaccine evenly despite benefits for some vulnerable groups. And it goes on. It goes on and on. And it, to me, was simply a reminder that if you want to look on the bright side of life, if you want to uh, be an optimist, if you want to carry around a glass that's half full, uh, sometimes uh, you got to work for that. Sometimes uh, you are going to encounter efforts to, uh, to change that. Sometimes there are going to be efforts that you encounter to try to convince you that your glass is not half full, but rather half empty. It's for that reason that this morning, as I was listening to uh, Dave and Dejanovic, D2, this morning, uh, I heard Governor Spencer Cox come on. And, uh, and afterwards, as I was speaking with Debbie, uh, I asked, I said, what, what struck you most about your conversation with the governor? 
And she said this. She said, you know what? Uh, he gave a lot of good information, a lot of optimistic observations. Uh, information, but what struck me the most and what stays with me now was his excitement, was the optimism that he communicated, was the the good cheer that came from the delivery of all of this uh, new information. We have a few minutes here. Uh, before we go to break, I want you to hear some of what uh, the, the governor had to say as he joined uh, Dave and Dejanovic on their program earlier this morning here on KSL News Radio. Listen, of course, to the substance of what he says. But as Debbie noted, please also take note of the way he delivers the information. I, I share his enthusiasm. I share his optimism. Uh, one of the questions asked uh, from this morning's radio program, the governor answered saying that uh, the state will have the vaccine available for everyone in two months. We believe that we will have enough vaccine for every adult in Utah that wants one by early May. That's what it's looking like now. So um, over the next two months, it's just it's just tremendous news. Everyone who wants one by early May. Everyone who wants one by early May. And a quick note on that, everyone who wants one, if you look back a number of months, there was polling here in the state of Utah indicating that there was about a quarter of all Utahns that were a little gun-shy when it came to uh, receiving the vaccine. I'm on Team Vaccine. Again, I've made that clear a number of times. Uh, You are certainly entitled to your position. Uh, But that 25% number from a number of months ago has been more than cut in half. As we have seen the results of the vaccine, as we have seen the slowdown in the spread of this virus, as we have seen a shrinking number of hospitalizations, the number of folks in Utah here willing to get the vaccine is growing. In fact, I believe last uh, last poll I reviewed, only 12% of Utahns have, have maintained their attitude uh, that they're against the vaccine. So let me ask you this. If you were part of that initial 25% and your mind has since changed, would you do me a favor? Would you reach out to that remaining 12% and share with them, share with them how you came to change your own mind? The conversation uh, with the governor on uh, David Dejanovic's program continued with the governor saying that the Johnson & Johnson vaccines uh, should be here soon and ready to go out to the public. We expect doses to start arriving on Wednesday, and uh, that, that means that we could have doses in arms on Thursday. It, it just depends on, on the backlog that, uh, that, that our different providers have as they work through that and then move into the, the Johnson & Johnson doses. There's much more from the governor I want to share with you. I need to take a break right now. Uh, but, but share with me your thoughts, just your, your general reactions. As you hear news like this, uh, are, are you excited or are you excited? Or are you uh, beaten down and pessimistic as maybe some of the national headlines might make you feel? 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I want to hear from you and I'll share with you more of what the governor had to say next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back. 12:51 is the time here in the KSL newsroom. Got some good comments coming in via the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, one of them, this, and you know, you'll remember my rant from before the break. All the headlines. Uh, not, I shouldn't say all of them, but many. As I did that quick uh, Google search of the topic I was about to jump into, just to make sure there was nothing that I had missed. A, a practice. I do each day before we start the program to make sure that I'm uh, on the right page, that the preparation uh, is still good, and that whatever I've studied and learned up on, all the facts and figures I have here before me are still good. Uh, I I can't help but uh, have observed this morning that so many of the headlines 
that describe the rollout or at least touch on the rollout of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, that vaccine which just over this past weekend received uh, emergency approval by the FDA as safe and effective. So many of these headlines are like like digging, digging for negative angles. Digging for negative angles. From the Washington Post, Johnson & Johnson vaccine deepens concerns over racial and geographic inequities. White, here's what from NBC News. White House to distribute Johnson & Johnson vaccine evenly despite benefits for some vulnerable groups. All right. Uh, so anyway, one of, this te- one of the texts comes in here uh, and says, Lee, I-, I like that you've noticed that positive news does not spread as quickly and, enthousi- and as enthusiastically as negative or bad news. I'll never understand that. Me, me neither. Me neither. And, you know, what can I do from behind here, uh, the microphone? I can do what I can uh, to try to, uh, I don't know, carry around a, a glass that's half full and invite you to do the same. And we'll hope the rest of these folks uh, follow in line. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the the reason I bring that up is because I was uh, I was heartened this morning to listen to uh, excerpts from a conversation between Dave and Dejanovic with uh, with. Governor Cox, Governor Spencer Cox, joined uh, D2 this morning, and they talked about a number of things, uh, all of it stemming from the rollout of this Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So I want to go through the, the rest of this conversation. There's some uh, some highlights I want you to hear. And then uh, I also want you to hear uh, from other uh, health officials in the state. Uh, we'll start off with the Department of Health, Utah Department of Health, talking about the rollout and the distribution of this Johnson & Johnson vaccine, as well as uh, new locations available to Utahns to get the vaccine and uh, when we might see, uh, you know, a vaccine in the arms of all uh, Utahns who want it. So here um, is the Governor Cox. We'll start there. Governor Cox, very enthusiastically uh, having a conversation this morning with Dave and Dejanovic's Dave and Dejanovic, saying that people should not worry about getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. This is a very effective vaccine. And I've had some of the best doctors in the country say, if I could get this vaccine today versus Moderna or Pfizer tomorrow, I would get this vaccine today. So there should be no worries whatsoever about this. We're going to we're going to dive deeper into that element right there. The difference between uh, Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer, and Moderna and the, the others that are uh, in the pipeline. But uh, still continuing from what the governor had to say, uh, he made the point that people not knowing what brand of vaccine they got for all their other shots. The problem is we have never branded vaccines. Um, I, I bet you nobody that's listening right now could tell me which vaccine they got when they got their last tetanus vaccine or when they got their last <laughs> flu shot. N- nobody knows that, right? Okay, good point. I couldn't tell you. I got myself a flu shot last year. I have no idea which kind it was. Uh, and, well, I'll uh, uh, you know have to just guess and see which one I end up with. Uh, now, the, the conversation continued, uh, and Governor Cox said the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is safe and might have a better chance uh, to fight the other variants of COVID. Moderna and Pfizer were tested earlier. And, and, and what we know is that Johnson & Johnson has now been tested against other variants. And it's very possible that it's more effective than those other do- doses uh, against these variants. And here's the most important thing that I can't emphasize enough. Everyone who got all three of these vaccines, 75,000 people in the trial, not one of them died and not one of them was hospitalized after, after four weeks. You catch that? That was a point made there that I had never before considered. 
and it has to do with that efficacy number. I got I got laser focused and fixated on the Pfizer at 95 plus percent and the Moderna 95 plus percent uh, uh, efficacy. And then and then we hear about this Johnson Johnson thing coming down the pipe and it says uh, what like 70, 75, 85, some kind of subpar efficacy. And I thought, oh my gosh, how I need to how do I how do I make sure I get the good one? And well, it turns out that comparing those numbers is not exactly apples to apples. Yeah, the, the, the point made just a moment ago by Governor Cox is this, that, uh, that the testing, the phase of testing, uh, that didn't take place at the same time. That Pfizer and Moderna were being tested early on in the process. Uh, they made very quick progress in getting a candidate vaccine uh, in the testing phase. And so what does that mean? It means that the, the population that was used to study these vaccines running through the veins of that population were earlier versions or the early version of the COVID virus during a time where mutation and changes and variation and variants were, were not yet prevalent. And even our, our observations of those strains uh, still kind of lags behind. Anyway, so Johnson & Johnson comes along a little bit later in the process, and they commence their Phase 3 testing on a population now that has had time to become exposed to variants of the COVID-19 virus. Variations, mutations, meaning, meaning that the fight, the fight to vaccinate uh, being undertaken by Johnson & Johnson was up against, potentially, theoretically, was up against a more difficult adversary. That The challenge, the hurdle that Johnson & Johnson needed to clear was higher uh, because of the variance, because of the variation, than that of Pfizer and Moderna and the others who uh, initiated phase three earlier on in the process. And I, th- th- that totally shifted my attitude. It totally uh, opened my eyes and understandings to uh, the fact that, uh, you know what, Johnson & Johnson is probably all right. I'm confident uh, in the way that Governor Cox is looking at this, and that point there uh, is, is a strong one uh, that compels me to change my attitude. Another moment during the conversation this morning between Governor Cox and David Dejanovic was uh, just kind of reiterating that uh, if he had the opportunity, if you have the opportunity to get Johnson & Johnson, don't hesitate. Go for it. And then finally, uh, last point that he, uh, the governor, Governor Cox, had to make was that, well, it had to do with the timeline and a new date, a new uh, date when we might be able to uh, high-five one another, uh, give each other handshakes and hugs, and hopefully return ourselves to some semblance of normalcy. I'll let him explain. We've actually tied it to three, actually four different things. So you, you have to be in a low transmission anyway, which we have the transmission index, and that includes so low rates of spread. Uh, it includes low hospitalizations and uh, a low percent positivity rate. So those th- three things are still in place. And then it's, it's access to, uh, to, the, the, uh, to the vaccine. And so as, as long as we have enough for, for 70% of the adults in the state that want one, which again, we think will hit by the end of April or early May, plus eight weeks, right? So, so that right. now we wait eight weeks after that. that. That gives them time to get their first dose and their second dose and for that immunity to kick in. Um, that's what we're talking about. So, so these are very cautious uh, and yet optimistic uh, guidelines that we've put in place. Uh, and and we, we 
we hope that we can beat those. We, we hope that we can get there much sooner than that. And that's why we picked this 4th of July as, uh, as kind of a, you know, a, a scenario that is, is very achievable and something everyone should be excited about. 4th of July. How about that? 4th of July. Not too bad, huh? Uh, I'm feeling good about this year's Independence Day. We're going to take a break right now. Later on, I'll get you up to speed on what the Department of Health had to say. Stick around. I'll probably have to uh, do that at 2 o'clock. We're going to take a break now. When we return, I'll be joined by Utah Representative Corey Malloy. At 1 o'clock each day for the rest of this week and the rest of the legislative session, we're looking at guns on Capitol Hill and the legislation that impacts the way you own and carry and operate as an enjoyer of the Second Amendment. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor, Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.